If you have your Bibles open to 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. And we said our theme this year is loving God. And over the next few weeks, we want to talk about what does that even mean, loving God? What does it mean for you to love God? What does it mean for me to love God? Now, in the revival, we talked about three areas from Matthew 22, 37, three areas in which we love God. Anybody remember the three areas that we love God from the revival? Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. What did it say? Yes, heart, soul, and mind. Very good, Abram. Heart, soul, and mind. We said the heart was the seed of our passions, right? We love Him with our passion, our soul, our whole person, right? And, uh, and then our mind. And we said in every one of those areas, we are to love God. But this evening, as we dive deeper into this of loving God, we want to start with what is love in the first place, right? What is love after all? Because if we're going to love God, we got to know what love is, right? We have to know, okay, uh, this is what love is so that we can love God in the way that the Bible teaches us to do so, right? Because sometimes our concepts of love can be very different, right? Um, in other words, uh, love can mean different things at different times. In other words, if I say to you, do you love your brothers and sisters? You'd probably say, yeah, I love them. That, that wouldn't be, I, I don't think anybody would here be like, well, I don't know that I love them. You would mean it in a way of, I love my brother and, or my sister in a way that uh, if someone were going to do them harm, I would do my very best to protect them. I would say, I love them, that if they needed something and I could provide that for them, I would do that. You might say, I love my parents, and by that we mean we're very thankful for what they do for us, and we do our very best to honor them, to obey them. But then when you start dating, you say, I love fill-in-the-blank, Roberto. <laughs> I don't know. It's the first name that came to my name. I, I don't know. But when you say that, that's a different love, right? I mean, you love that boyfriend or that girlfriend differently than you love your brother and sister. In fact, even differently than you love your mom and dad. So love can mean different things in different contexts. So when the Bible says, love the Lord your God, well, what does it mean? Does it mean love God like you love your parents? Does it mean love God like you love your boyfriend and girlfriend? Or does it mean love uh, God like you love your friends or brothers and sisters? What, what does it mean? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the Apostle Paul begins to break down what love is for us. But as he does this, he's talking to a church. Now, the church of Corinth was a, is, a, is a good church. It was a church that loved God, a church that wanted to serve God. But the problem with the church of Corinth was it had its own idea of love. And because of that, it created a lot of chaos. All right, a lot of chaos. Uh, uh, the, the, the idea there in Corinth was, hey, uh, because we love God, everything goes. In fact, if you want to see really a lot of what the modern church is like, you can look at the church at Corinth and you'll see that there's a lot of similarities. There's a lot of chaos today in our churches because we have really, we've changed the definition of love. 
We've made love to be whatever we feel like it should be. We've made love to say, well, there's really no boundaries because we love someone. See, because of that definition, the church at Corinth began to allow all kinds of sin to happen in their church. And they didn't want to confront sin because they thought, well, is that the loving thing to do? You know, uh, we, we, we love people, so I don't know that we can tell them not to do something. Because now we're just like getting into their lives and sticking our nose in their business, and I don't know that we can do that. So they just allowed sin to be practiced in their church. In fact, they had this idea of love so much that they allowed anything to happen in church. When somebody started speaking in a different tongue that nobody even understood, they said, well... Church is a place of love, and they ought to be able to do that because, after all, we all love God. And so, yeah, it's a little bit confusing, and the guy's up there, and he's saying whatever he's saying. I have no idea what he's saying. He's speaking a different language, but he says it's a, it's a language that God has given him, and it's, it's an angelic language. It's an, a, a heavenly language, so who am I to argue with him? I mean, if he loves God, he should be able to do that. So the Apostle Paul comes into the church at Corinth, and he's got to start putting things in order. He's starting to see church at Corinth, listen, you can't just have anybody talking in a church without anybody understanding them. He said, there's a really practical way to solve this. He says, if somebody's going to speak a different language, someone needs to interpret for them. And uh, if you've been in our church long enough, you have found that even sometimes in our Spanish services, uh, well, if we have an English preacher... Like we did in the month of September, we had Pastor R.B. Olet. He came to, to preach four different times for us in the month of September. And every time when it was a Spanish service, our senior pastor, Pastor Noet, translated. Well, why did he translate? Because we don't want confusion. You see, in the church of Corinth, they were saying, well, let them just keep preaching. Don't worry. Those that understand them, understand them. Those that don't, well, oh, well, too bad. And they're saying, no, 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 no. The Apostle Paul said, that's not, don't you understand that we come to church to be edified so that we can grow together, so we can understand what God has said in his word? You're just going to confuse people. So you can't do that. The loving thing to do is to say, all right, let's get an interpreter in here. And then there was a, a couple there in the church. There was a son that was literally sleeping with his stepmom. And the Apostle Paul said, listen, that's not right. That is sinful. You can't just allow that to happen. Because love shouldn't allow that to happen. So finally, the Apostle Paul gets to what we know as chapter 13, even though he wasn't writing chapters and verses when he wrote the letter. But you get to chapter 13, and the Apostle Paul says, let's let's break down what love is all about. What you're doing is not showing love. This is not a loving church by just allowing everybody to do anything they want. Let's define love. Let's make sure we understand what love is so we can be a church that's loving. Let's define what love is so that we can make sure that as Christians, we're actually loving God. That as followers of Jesus, we're not just doing whatever we want, but we're actually following God. How do we do that? What does it even mean? 
1 Corinthians chapter 13. Hopefully you're there. I want you to, let's start reading in verse number 1, and we're just going to look at uh, three verses this evening, and then we'll continue the chapter, continue learning in the, few, uh, the next few weeks. But it says in verse number 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. I want you to notice that as the Apostle Paul begins to talk about love, and somebody's even called it crazy love, as he begins to talk about love, he begins to talk, first of all, about the values that love has. You see, we all value something in life, right? We all value things. There's no one in here uh, that uh, has a phone that doesn't value their phone. In fact, if you stop valuing things, usually you begin to lose them. Uh, if you don't value the gifts that your parents have given you, pretty soon they'll stop giving you gifts, right? I mean, if you don't take care of your phone, it only takes maybe one time to lose your phone, at the most twice before your parents say, I'm not giving you a phone anymore. You don't even take care of it. Has anybody ever, has, has a parent told you yet? Like, hey, you, you left your phone over here. Hey, you need to take care of your phone. You're going to lose it. You're going to lose it. You have a mom and dad saying, you're like, I already, I left it there on purpose. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You're losing it, right? Uh, I know I'm a parent. I do that all the time with my son. Like, hey, hey buddy, where, where are you going? You left your toy over here. And, and the, the thing that you want to communicate to someone is you need to value this. This ought to be something important to you. It ought to be something precious to you, right? Because of its worth. So sometimes we value things. Sometimes uh, we value not just possession, like material things, but sometimes we value, you know, like money, right? You ought to value money. Some of you have got a job already, or maybe you go and work with your dad, and after working all day, and he gives you, you know, 20 bucks or 40 bucks or whatever he gives you, listen, I don't know if you're like me, but I think twice before I spend that money. Like, if my parents just gave me money, like, hey, I'm going to go to the mall, and they just gave me money. It's funny. I would go, and, oh, yeah, you want a burger? Yeah, man, I'll pay. I'll pay, I'll pay, I'll pay, guys, you know. And then, oh, you want to get that? Oh, yeah, I'll pay. But then when I got my own job, and those $20 were mine because I worked for five hours, suddenly it was like, hey, who's going to pay for the burgers? You got money? <laughs> I'm not spending my money on that. You know, I was working for five hours just to get that money. I'm not, I'm not just buying everybody a burger. Suddenly, that money that you earned takes on a different value. Well, when it comes to this of love, Paul said it also has value. Love's not just something that you should say almost as a throwaway word. It's not an idea that is kind of like, eh, it's not that important. Actually, it's very important. And the Apostle Paul wants to share with this church at Corinth how important love is, what love is, and just how important. He starts with the values of love. And I want you to notice, he says, first of all, in verse number one, it's more important than your gifts. Now, the church of Corinth had a lot of gifted people, a lot of gifted people. 
people that obviously, as it says in verse 1, knew different languages. Now, I know here in America, uh, because America usually, English is the global language, and here in America that is our language, most of the time that's the one language that we know. In our area, because we have such a strong, of course, Hispanic presence, some of us grew up in homes where our parents also speak Spanish, so at best we speak English and Spanish. But you know, when you go to the Middle East, when you go to Europe, you'll, you'll find many times that there are people that know up to five languages. You know, uh, President Trump's wife, Melania, knows up to five different languages. And it's not like she barely says like a phrase of each language. No, she speaks fluently five different languages. And in Europe, that's not really uncommon. It's pretty common to know French. It's pretty common to know English. And usually it's pretty common to know Spanish. Those are the three really big languages. A lot of people also speak Italian. Uh, those are uh, Spanish and French and Italian are love languages. So if you're learning one, it's pretty easy to learn the other two. And so if you're traveling there in Europe, you'll want to learn those. A lot of people also know German. And, and so uh, you find that there's a lot of languages. And in the Church of Corinth, there's people that spoke all these languages. Usually to learn a language, you know it's not easy. Is anyone, I'm just curious, learning like French in high school this year at all? No? Everybody's learning Spanish as a second language? Anybody else learning like Italian or any other language other than Spanish? No? Good. All right. So we got two languages down. That's, what, that's, hey, that's, that's how many understand learning two languages is hard enough, right? You start doing the grammar. It's one thing to speak Spanish. But then it's another thing when they're like asking you to diagram a sentence or, you know, what's the subject of this sentence? And I, I don't know. <laughs> this, this word, it's so much easier to just speak Spanish than it is to write Spanish sometimes or to even diagram a sentence. So here they are, these people in the Church of Corinth, they know a lot of languages. They're very gifted. You had people in this church that were gifted in music. They could play different instruments, and they were pretty talented in doing so. But I want you to notice that the Apostle Paul, he tells them, listen, love is more important than even your gifts. He said, listen, you can have the gift of speaking all these different languages. You can have this gift of being able to play all these different instruments. But if you don't have love, then you're missing it. If you don't have love, he says, your music is just like a sounding brass. That, that word there, that phrase or a tinkling symbol, it just means you're just making a noise like. Nobody would say, oh, Jeremy, that, Pastor Jeremy, that, that was amazing. That, 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 that music right there that you just made, that's not music. That's just noise. And Paul says, you know, if you don't have love, this is how important love is, that if you can play unbelievable on the piano and the guitar, but you don't have love, it's worthless. It's worthless. Love is more important than the gifts that you have. Love is more important than the talent that God has given you. Let me just say, in the world in which we live, we elevate talent very high, don't we? I mean, there's a new show on NBC uh, was it called like the masked singer or something like that? I don't know. 
And, and what, what happens, I've only seen the trailer, I haven't really seen a show yet, but I've seen the trailers, and basically someone is singing, and they have to guess who that person is that's singing, right? But we want to reward the one that has an amazing voice. America's Got Talent is another show like that. And what do we do? We say we want to elevate those people that have the talent and the gifts, that they, they do what they do. We elevate them and say, man, they're amazing. And the Apostle Paul said, listen, God's not too impressed with all your gifts and talents. He gave you those. He says, if you don't value love more than that, then you're missing it. You're missing everything. So then you're just, you're just a noisemaker. He says, love is more important than your gifts, but then I want you to notice, he says, it's more important than your faith. <laughs> he says in verse number two, and though I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Now, the word faith here, he's not talking about putting our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, a saving faith. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about faith that is required in the Christian life to see miracles come into our life. Jesus said, if you had the faith of a mustard seed, you could tell this mountain move and go into the sea and you'd move the mountain. Now, Jesus wasn't literally saying we can move mountains. He, he, he wasn't talking about the force and, you know, having like Yoda with your hand and, and, and the actual moving a mountain. That's not what Jesus was talking about. He was talking about seeing the impossible done. Seeing the impossible done. Now, I've shared with you, if you've been here long enough, I've shared with you, there are times where we've asked God for miracles, and God has provided miracles. There have been people that have been dying, and it wasn't because we had special power, but it was by faith we prayed, and God answered that prayer and revived that person or provided something that we desperately needed. Now, that's faith, and that's big faith. You'll find, young people, you're going to be married uh, in not too long, maybe in a decade or less, and, and you're going to find that in your married life, you're going to need faith for different things. You're going to need faith to keep your marriage strong, loving one another. You're going to need faith to provide for your children and make sure that they have clothes and make sure they have uh, food and, and make sure they have what they need. You're going to need faith like that. But here's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, if you have the faith to produce miracles that way, but you don't have love, then you're missing it. It means nothing. It means nothing. See, love is more important than even that kind of faith. And faith is important. I'm not saying faith is not important. I'm not saying faith shouldn't be something central in your life. It ought to be. But listen, love ought to have a greater value than even that faith. Then notice what the Apostle Paul says. He says, it's more important than your goodness. Look in verse number three. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. Paul said, listen, in this church, you're doing great with your community. You're, you're trying to help feed people. How many understand helping people that have no food and giving them food is a good thing? How many of y'all understand that? Just raise your, okay, great. I'm not the only one that understands that. We all understand that. Helping someone that is sick and giving them medicine. In fact, throughout this pandemic, our church uh, provided many different families with medicine that they needed when they got COVID. And it helped many of them. 
Now, helping someone that is sick by giving them medicine is a very good thing to do. During this pandemic, a lot of people lost their jobs and, and the government uh, had to provide them with a check for money just to subsidize their life. In other words, to, to help them pay their bills. And that was a good thing. We, we needed that. We, so that way we don't get kicked out of our homes and that way we have food on our table. Those are good things. But the Apostle Paul says, listen, if you have all that and you do all that, but you don't have love, then you're missing it. Did you know that you can help people and not love people? You can. In fact, there's a system of government that we don't know anything about here in the U.S. because God has protected us from that. But there's a system of government that even has gone through different countries in our world. Countries like where our pastor came from, Nicaragua. A system of government called communism. And socialism. And do you know that communism and socialism, here's the idea of it. The idea is we should all get equal. We should all receive the same amount of food and the, the same amount of uh, the same uh, nice car and the same nice house. And, and how many of you uh, would love to have a house like LeBron James tonight? Anybody? Would, have you, has anybody seen LeBron James' house? You can just Google it. How many of you would like to have a mansion? Just, just raise your hand. How many of you would say, I'd like to have a mansion? Thank you. There's some honest. Y'all wouldn't want a mansion? All right. How many say, I would like just a 300 square foot, just, just, just a bathroom and then a little room beside it. That's all I want to live in. Okay, so, so we're not wanting the most poor. We're not wanting the most rich. We're trying to be a little humble tonight, perhaps. But if you were to ask me, Hey, uh, Pastor Jeremy, do you want like a 12,000 square foot home? Yes. Absolutely. Of course. Do, do, do you want a, a really like a nice house right by the beach? Yes. Would you want a really nice house in like downtown Los Angeles? Yeah. How about in New York City? <laughs> yeah. We all want that. Okay. No, there's nobody in there. Oh, I, I don't want that. That's just too, that's too nice. I don't want that. We all do. It'd be nice to have things like that. And, and there's this idea, and this is how communism works. They say, yeah, we should all have mansions. But you know, it's not possible. And what happens is they start taking away from everybody instead of giving to everybody. And they want to call it, oh, we're helping people. But you know what it is? It's a system without love. It's this of bestowing goods, and Paul is saying, though you bestow all these goods, and you say, oh man, I want to give this to this people, and this is, but you don't have love, Paul says, then you're missing it. That's not going to help anybody. You're not really doing anything to impact anyone. So the apostle Paul says, let me tell you how important love is. It's more important than your gifts. It's more important than your faith. It's more important than your good works. But lastly, he says, it's more important than your sacrifice. It's more important than your sacrifice. Look, look, look at verse number three. It says, and though I gave my body to be burned, in other words, if I sacrifice myself, he says, and have not charity or have not love, it profiteth me nothing. You can make the ultimate sacrifice. You can die for love of country. You can die for trying to save your family. You, you, you can die for great purposes, but the Apostle Paul says, if you don't have love, then you missed it. It profits you nothing. 
In other words, young people, I, I want you to get this idea tonight. Love's important. It's not just a throwaway word. It shouldn't be just something that we say to people, but not really think about it, not really mean it. No, no. It's more important to love someone than to give them all your gifts and talents. It's more important to love someone than to have faith to be able to do miracles and show them how much God can do through that faith. You see, it's more important to love someone than to provide for their need in giving them goods or giving them money or giving them food or giving them anything. It's more important to love someone than it is to even sacrifice my own self, my own life. It's more important to love them. There's a big value that the Apostle Paul says, this is important. So as we learn about love in these next few weeks, I want you to understand, first of all, learn tonight, love's important. In Matthew 22 37, when Jesus says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. He was making a powerful statement. He wasn't just saying, oh, you ought to like him. He wasn't just saying, oh, you ought to be nice to him. No, no, no. Love, love is more important than your gifts, than your faith. It's more important than how good you are. Your good works, it's more important than even your sacrifice. When you say love God, I mean there's some big value in that. So I want to ask you tonight, before we're dismissed, how much do you value love? Because you see, depending how much you value love tonight, it will tell me how much you're going to actually live that out. You see, the reason that we can stay on the phone with our girlfriend or boyfriend till 3 in the morning, when I was dating my wife, Ms. Rochelle, we'd stay up till 5.30, 6 in the morning. We'd talk all night. And the reason I could do that is because I valued my time with her. I had to go to work the next day. I didn't care. I valued that. When you start valuing love, You'll do whatever it takes. Val uh, love will, will drive you to do things that you would never do outside of love. That's why it's so important to ask yourself, man, how much do I value love tonight? Do I value the love that I give people? Do I value the love that I receive from people? Do I value loving God? I want to challenge you tonight, young people. Make a decision to say, you know what? I want to be here the next few weeks because I value love. I really want to know what love is all about. What does the Bible say about love and how can I have a life full of love? Because if you have a life full of gifts and no love, the Bible says you're worthless. It's pointless. It profits nothing. Nothing. And young people, if there's a desire that I have for you is that you have a life that means something, that does something. And that's what love can do for you.